Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a really fun podcast. Our first Victory SEC podcast since since last season. We feel we're feeling good. Uh, Auburn beat Mississippi State by two touchdowns and an absolutely dominant performance uh, on Saturday. Something that we, you know, really, you know, I don't want to say fully expected it, but we were really, I mean, we were really confident uh, on last week's podcast going into this matchup. Uh, how Auburn matched up against Mississippi State, handled business. First half was great. Second half. Uh, Hugh went a little conservative and, you know, just went to win the game, which, you know, I we will talk about that later. But ultimately, I don't think that Hugh Freeze's decision making was terrible. Um, but overall, um, you know, Peyton Thorne really had the best game of the season, 20 for 26, 230 passing yards and three touchdowns. The first time since the Brian Harson era that a quarterback threw for over 105 yards. So that's always nice. Jarquez Hunter, uh, monster game, 17 carries, 144 yards, eight and a half yards per carry. Really Jarquez's best game of the season to date. He's had back-to-back really solid games on paper. So we're really liking what Jarquez has been bringing to the table recently. But I'm going to turn it over. Weather, just give us your thoughts on kind of Peyton Thorne, especially in the first half, and really how you felt in this first half of the uh, the Auburn-Mississippi State matchup. I'm just going to say, even though they only scored 27 points, I think that the offense in the 27-point game that you saw today versus the offense that you saw in any of the 20-point performances earlier just felt different. It didn't feel like – like in the Georgia game, they scored 20, but every time you scored, you felt like that could be the last time they were going to be able to score. In the Mississippi State game, you really felt like they could score on any given drive. You felt like they would score again every yes, time we exactly. scored points. You, you felt like there was a chance to score again. You didn't think when the defense went out there, man, they have to get this stuff because the offense is not going to be able to do anything. Um, so I agree with you. And props to Peyton Thorne, you know? I mean, we have, we've had episodes where we've criticized him because he hasn't played super well. There was nothing to be critical of, in my opinion. I thought that he played a near – you know, perfect game, honestly. I mean, he had a very high QBR um, going back and looking at it. He threw multiple touchdowns. He was efficient with the ball. I didn't feel like he made many bad decisions. Jarquez Hunter is starting to look like the running back we thought we were going to get out of Jarquez this season. I think that that just goes back to not being able to practice off all camp and finally knocking the rust off um, on that. So Jarquez, I feel like you can start to rely that he's going to be that number one back again. It was good to see Damari Austin back out there. You could tell that his shoulder was still bothering him a good bit, but he had some still strong physical runs. Brian Batty, I thought that he looked like he was hurt. (laughs) I mean, 
he just looked badly injured and was trying to gut out a performance. So props to him for gutting out the performance. Tough to see him drop a couple of kickoffs, but, you know, you live, you learn, and hopefully he'll be feeling better this week. I thought the receivers had a good game. There were not a ton of drops. I thought they did a good job getting open. I thought the play calling was really good. I really do. I know a lot of people got on Hugh in the second half, and, you know, his rant went a little bit viral. It kind of got covered up by Dabo's rant. But I tended to agree with Hugh. I mean, when you look at what was happening in the game, you had a pretty comfortable lead. The other team has their backup quarterback and backup running back in the game. Your defense has been the strong point of your team compared to the two sides the entire season. And you just get into some weird situations. I think that that's been the thing about the clock this year. The, the situations that Auburn has found itself in have been very odd. Like, a lot of the play calling that I've gotten frustrated with at the time when I go back and I watch the game, I'm like, you know, it was just weird. Like, they get pinned back deep or they get a first down. Like, the throw, um, Thorne had a throw to, oh, what's his name? Uh, the tight end had the big game against LSU. Uh, Brandon Frazier. Brandon Frazier. Gets the first down, throw to Brandon Frazier, gets called back, okay? And that's a drive that started on your three-yard line. That's a catch. If that's a catch, that's an 18-yard gain. You're rolling. You're going to hold the ball for a while. Um, same thing when you had, you know, fourth and one. I don't know why the crowd was wanting to go for it. Our Fourth and one for Auburn has not been a friendly territory. We have struggled to get off the ball and get something done on fourth and one. And, again, you're playing against a backup quarterback and a backup running back. And people say that playing conservative is not playing to win. And I just disagree with that. I mean, a lot of times the conservative call is going to be the winning call. I mean, Mario Cristobal stayed aggressive. He didn't kneel the ball down, and he ended up having a fumble, and they took it, and they lost the game. Auburn had a two-touchdown lead at worst in the fourth quarter. That was the lowest lead that they had at any point in the fourth quarter. Why would you do anything that could let the other team jump back into the game and not slowly crawl back into the game? I thought it was a good performance. I also think that the play calling might have been a little bit more aggressive. You might have tried something if Mississippi State had a serious threat on offense. Like, if you thought that they had the potential to score three touchdowns in a quarter, maybe you look at doing something a little bit more aggressive. But with the situation as it was, I thought that they handled it just fine. I thought that the play calls and the play designs were really good. They did a great job getting playmakers open and having great looks, honestly, throughout the entire afternoon. Um, and then people also forget they scored 27. That last drive that ended the game, if that had been in the first quarter, that drive's going to get points. Mm. Like if you don't kneel that drive down, you're getting points on that one. And so the offense, very efficient. Defense, um, you know, it's hard to say you aren't excited when somebody only gives up 13 points. It is more than I was expecting to give up with a backup quarterback and backup running back. But at the end of the day, I mean, you get it done. Keontae Scott being back was huge. I think that, I mean, he had seven total tackles. I think four or five of those were on the first drive. I mean, he came out ready to play. Eugene Asante always strong in the lineup. Um, and then I think that the underrated player and box score doesn't show it is Austin Keys. I think that Austin Keys is a big time linebacker and coming back, he's got the cast on his thumb. I think that's a challenge and not having these live reps is a challenge for him. He's a guy who, you know, I know the season's kind of winding down. I think that 
couple last couple games, Alabama game, bowl game, he could be somebody that really comes on. And I would look for him to be somebody next year who you really see take a step forward and become the next big time linebacker at Auburn. And somebody who honestly, out of all the guys right now, I think Eugene has a shot at the league at having a pretty solid career. Austin Keys has an NFL linebacker body. Mm-hmm. And if he keeps playing and keeps learning at the rate that he is, I think he could be a really big time player for Auburn. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that Austin Keys was a guy who played really well against UMass, but we didn't you couldn't really tell how much of an impact he really had. Keontae was a little different because you knew he played a little bit more before he got hurt, and you saw him a whole season last year that you knew he would be a really good player. I do agree with you. I think Austin Keys being back is really big. It takes takes a lot of the snap counts away. Asante doesn't have to take as many snaps. Uh, Cam Riley, Larry Nixon don't have to have as many snaps. And Austin Keys is really – I mean, he seems fresh. I mean, he's playing – I mean, it feels like he's playing the most snaps that anyone in the room, which is great. Uh, I definitely agree with you. He's being able to ease into it. The defense is really tightening up. I, I mean, the – Having having Keontae Scott back is just huge. I mean, he is just he is just such a talented player. Um, so yeah, I I completely agree with you. I thought, and honestly, I thought Keldrick Falk mentioning a guy that doesn't really show up in the box score. Keldrick Falk, I thought had his best game of the season against Mississippi State. Uh, and you really see, you know, I was watching over the game, listening to Derek Mason uh, talk about Keldrick Falk, and it was very. I mean, he was just he was super high on him, you know. And I know. You know, I think Auburn fans probably have a mixed opinion on Derek Mason, but regardless, the guy knows football. You know, like he might not know, you know, when to move out of a <laughs> when to move out of a certain defense when you're getting, you know, when you're blowing a 28 to 3 lead, but the guy knows football and he was very high, a very high on Keldrick Falk. So I'm definitely excited to see Falk kind of move in and just kind of enjoying these, you know, last few games, it feels like with a really solid DB room, because it just feels like there's just a lot of a lot of Sunday players uh playing in that that defense. Yeah, but. the DBs definitely feel like you're gonna see a lot of turnover, which you have a lot of young guys who are not even on the field that I think yeah. could be solid. I think that like JD Rim, I think that if he if you didn't have the DBs that you have at Auburn right now, he would be playing for Auburn and he would be somebody that we consider to be a good player. Yeah. Like right now, not even hopefully he develops into that. Kalen Lee, he'll be back. I think you have a lot of depth there that even you don't even know about. Kind of how you would expect an SEC team to be, like LSU and Alabama. You know or, they're going to reload. Yeah, we don't know who their names are yet, but we know that whoever comes in is going to be a really solid player. Mm-hmm. And I think that the DB room is kind of that for Auburn right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And really, Nehemiah Pritchett, I think, I mean, this is – you know, I, I know that he's been here a while, but I really feel like his impact has been a little underrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that usually, you know, it's, it feels like in previous years he's struggled in some games, had some, you know, given up some big plays. But, I mean, he's been – I thought he's been really stout so far, played really well against Mississippi State and kind of is taking a lot of K and Lee snaps. But it's just, you know, you can either play – if you have two guys that are going to do their job and one of them has been there for four or five years and has all that experience and the other's a true freshman – you want the experienced guy more so. But moving in a little bit to the offense, I think that the one thing, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this, the one thing that I kind of didn't love about some of the play calls is how many hits Peyton Thorne takes. And I Peyton Thorne's taken hits all throughout the season, and it's different because I think when you're competing for a starting job, you know, you don't want to be, especially when you're competing for, with a guy like Robbie, who – part of his game is that he can run over defensive backs and get that extra yardage. 
when you're a guy that really doesn't have that aspect because of your lack of size, I think it's difficult because when you're in a QB contest, the way that you can show your heart and your fire for the game is by fighting for first downs, doing stuff like that. And you saw that a lot against Texas A&M especially. But I just feel like there are certain moments where you're like, all right, dude, that's not the hit you take. You know, you're not Robbie Ashford. You're not you're you're not the kind of guy that can take that hit, and we don't think twice about it. And especially at the end of the game, I believe it was the last drive. I think it was the second to last play, and we run Peyton Thorne on a QB power to the left, and he gets blown up by a linebacker. <laughs> and I was like, all right, man, like – this is the first game, and really, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it feels like Peyton Thorne won the starting job on yep. Saturday. You know, it feels like it, this was the we, – we mentioned that, you know, a, a quarterback has to turn the corner eventually. Peyton Thorne had the opportunity. He ran with it. I mean – Robbie uh, Ashford pouted. Ro, well, Rob, Rob, I think Robbie played like, what, like three, four snaps? And I think it may have been two. Maybe, yeah, it may have been two. And it was like Peyton Thorne had, you know, a whole game played really well. So you got to think against Vanderbilt, you're going to see a lot more of Peyton Thorne. You got to think against Arkansas. And it'll be a good test to see how he is on the road. We'll get into all that a little bit later. But I just feel like with the move where you, th- if you think like, all right, looks like it's going to be Peyton for the rest of the season, why are we, why are we letting them just go one on one? I mean, it feels like when we had, you know, when you, in 2018, when you run the fake kick and you have Anders try and power through Dylan Moses when you're down by three touchdowns, and you're like, all right, like, is this really what we're what we're going with? And it just felt like it was the kind of the kind of move where you could have handed it off to any of your talented running backs, or you could have put in your running quarterback. I mean, you know, it, it just felt like it was not the kind of move to do when the game is over. Yeah, I think, you know. Earlier in the game, there was a play where Peyton hits a really nice spin move on a linebacker, gets the first down, and gets drilled, like, as he's finishing the spin move. And that one, I mean, I like that. I like fighting for the extra yard to get the first down. When the game is in question, when you're getting down near the red zone, there's times where the quarterback just has to take a hit. Completely agree. The one that you're talking about, I also completely agree. You have 180 guys who can take a hit and be not 180, 85 guys that can go out there and take a hit, except for him and the kicker. Why would you have him go out there and take it? Because the thing is, you know, we say this about he's not Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford got hurt last year. Yeah. Now, I think Robbie might have gotten hurt worse when he was tackling that guy from LSU. I want to say that that's where he actually hurt his shoulder bad. But the point remains, even though you're a running quarterback, even though you're a built guy, I mean, Peyton's a pretty big guy, too. You don't that, want unnecessary Yeah, that, that, that's, it's not even a knock on Peyton's athleticism or his build or anything like that. You just don't want your quarterback because anyone can get hurt on any play. Yeah. Running backs get hurt. Receivers get hurt. Quarterbacks get hurt. But when the quarterback gets hurt, that's going to be a bigger deal than if a receiver gets hurt. And the thing is, I mean, we said the other day that there was not a clear starter. You know, we said, I don't understand the people who are – 100% Robbie needs to be the guy or the people that say 100% Peyton needs to be the guy. And we said what you need to do and what it seems like they're doing is they're playing both guys and whoever gets hot, that guy's going to get to play more. So you looked and two games ago, they said, all right, we think Robbie's going to have a better game today against Ole Miss. We're going to play him more. And he never got hot. 
So then they split the snaps equally, 50-50. Mississippi State, they said, in this plan, we think Peyton's going to be more successful. He actually got hot, and we finally saw what the coaches have been trying to do with the two-quarterback system of if one gets hot, ride that hand. It's like what they used to do with the running backs. Mm. I mean, Jarquez and Tank, you would have games where Jarquez was really hot. You'd have games where Tank was hot, and they would feed whoever it was. And I think that that's a fine point, and I think that if Robbie's attitude on the sideline, and now this is us from the stands, we weren't on the sideline. We don't, you know, hear everything that goes on. It didn't look like he was super excited that the team was winning 27 to 13. He sat by himself on the bench with a towel over his head. He was the last one to the locker room, and he was getting into a verbal altercation with a staff member. That's not what you want to see out of the guy who you is going to be your leader of your team. It's just not. And I think that that's been something that's been mentioned even since fall camp, even by Hugh when he's been candid, when he named Peyton the starter at first. We'll see how Robbie handles this, how Robbie's attitude is with it. And I think that's going to have a big part to play in how much Robbie plays because I think the coaches want to win this season. They definitely do. But is sacrificing the culture of the locker room is Robbie good enough to sacrifice the culture of the locker room? You know, it's not like you have Cam Newton out there and he may be bad for the culture, but he's a Heisman Trophy talent. Like, Robbie's not a Heisman Trophy talent. Is, is it going to – It's we mentioned it before, and even Bruce mentioned it this time. This Hugh Freeze team is very similar to Bruce's first team at Auburn in terms of they are fighting like mad. You want them to be good because you know that the coaching is better but they're just not getting the wins because the guys are just not quite there. And I think Robbie could even be that Kareem Canty thing of Kareem Canty would not be a starting point guard at Auburn right now. Like with the the point guards Auburn has, everybody thought at the time, oh my gosh, Kareem Canty, he would not start right now. He would be the third point guard on the team right now. And his attitude was horrible for the team. He ended up getting kicked off the team. Okay, if we look ahead in three years and Auburn's a playoff team, it may be a situation where you think Robbie Ashford seemed like he was good at that time, but he wouldn't be the starter. He'd be the third string. Because on a healthy team that's going to the playoff, Robbie Ashford's your third string quarterback. There's not, I mean, there's just not a situation where I see Robbie Ashford leading a team to the playoff. And I think when you think about it, you think about what the transfer market for Robbie Ashford would be. I mean, we we expect that Robbie will probably transfer after this year. At least I do. I mean, not inside information or anything. I think that everybody looking knows that either Robbie or Holden is probably going to leave after this year or both. I mean, what what is the transfer market for Robbie Ashford? I, I don't think that Alabama is going to be knocking down Robbie Ashford's door. I don't think Georgia is going to be knocking down Robbie Ashford's door. Ohio State, you know, I mean, I think you're going to look for a bottom-tier Power 5 team. I think like a Vanderbilt, I think like a Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, you know, I mean, that that's kind of the realm where he is right now. That's where he would be a starting quarterback. And so not to say that Peyton Thorne is a playoff quarterback either, but he sure got a heck of a lot closer to leading him to the playoff. I mean, his team won 10 games. This weekend, he went 20 for 26 and threw for over 200 yards against, honestly, one of the better defenses in the SEC. Their record isn't great. They're at 4-4, four and four, but it's because their offense is going from the air raid, and they lost a bunch of guys. They lost their starting quarterback. So record-wise, they're not great. Defense is good. Uh, 
so yeah, I think I think Peyton's going to be the guy. Now the the intriguing thing is Peyton has not played well on the road. I mean, he has just had a miserable game every week on the road. Of the road environments, even though Cal was not super hostile, I think this will be the least hostile. I genuinely there's only twenty two thousand people that are going to be in this stadium. It's going to be the smallest crowd Auburn's played in front of since nineteen twenty three. I think it was fifty eight. 1958? Okay, so 1958. Regardless, though, nineteen the 1950s and the 1920s yeah. are the yeah. exact I same. Mean, in terms of college football, <laughs> there is no there's difference. no difference to me. It's been a long, long time since Auburn has played in front of this few people. And based off of how expensive the tickets are for this game compared to the rest of Vanderbilt's games, I think there's a strong Auburn a strong Auburn push. I would be honestly, I'd be surprised if there are more Vanderbilt fans there. I really would, really and truly. If you take students out of the equation, I think there will be more Auburn people. And I think when you put students in, it'll be a 50 50 split. But even then, that's Auburn Arena. You're filling up Auburn Arena, but it's outside. And there's going to be a crane in the end zone. It's going to feel like a low rent football game. So you can't say that the pressure will be too high. On the guy, or that the environment's gonna shake him up. I mean, if this environment shakes you up, I don't understand how you played in front of eighty six thousand the week before and it didn't shake you up. You know, I mean, that's it. Just doesn't make that much sense. So, I think that this is a great opportunity for Auburn to continue the winning streak, continuing to improve. I feel good about a pretty big Auburn win. Not huge. I'm not thinking it's gonna be forty two to zero, because um, I think Vanderbilt's a quality. You know, I'm not saying quality for SEC. They're higher quality. They're probably on Cal's level. I'd say they're probably on par with Cal. They're a low-tier team. They haven't been able to close out games, but they've been in a lot of games. They just don't have any depth. I mean, that's. I think their starters are actually pretty decent. I think it's kind of similar. The, Vanderbilt is to medium teams what Auburn is to good teams. We can hang in there with them for a half, for three quarters. But we don't have that elite team depth. So when we go play the Georgias, the LSUs, those kind of teams, we can hang with them, and then we fade in the late third quarter, fourth quarter, because we don't have the depth. Vandy can hang with a mediocre team for the first two quarters and halfway through the third, and then all of a sudden it goes downhill. Because you look at it, I mean, let's go through the schedule. So they started off, I want to say they started off with Hawaii. Yeah, trash game against Hawaii. All right, play a terrible team in Alabama A&M and win the game. Wake Forest, mid-ACC team. Below mid. Below mid. They they waxed, Fandy. All right. They, <laughs> here And then here comes the, the one where you're like, okay, these guys are not very good. All right, so they lose to UNLV. I'm, I'm, I'm saying. On the road also. <laughs> they played UNLV on the road. So tough road test. All right. Lose to Kentucky, but the game is close. I mean, they get they score 28 points. They score 28 points. That is, I mean. They did lose by three possessions, but they did score 28. Yeah, they, they scored 28 points. That's a respectable. They were down three touchdowns in the first quarter. <laughs> respectable showing. Hold up a little bit against Missouri. 38. Okay. Again, that, lost by three possessions. Okay. <laughs> lost to Georgia by 17 points. Vanderbilt has not been within three possessions of a team since they lost to UNLV on the road by three. No, they were. 
Georgia was within they were within three possessions. It was it was a three possession. Yeah, loss. but they were within three possessions in that. Vanderbilt has not been has not thought that they could win a game since, since the Georgia game. Since September against UNLV. I don't even when the game was seven seven, I don't think many Vanderbilt fans thought they were beating Georgia. Regardless. Okay, never mind. We ought Vanderbilt still Vander, a seventeen point win because I don't think I just don't think that the offense, whether they're good or not, I think that they're gonna score like twenty seven to thirty four points in every single game. And I think that that's fair. Vanderbilt is terrible. Mississippi State is a bad SEC team that has good players that will play somewhere. Yeah. Like, whether that's transferring somewhere or playing, like, you saw, like, they had uh, – last year they had Rob Rob Thomas goes to Georgia. Like, they have guys that will either, you know, get signed to practice squads, get drafted. Like, they have draft picks on the roster. Vanderbilt might have someone. I really don't know Vanderbilt's roster, if I'm being honest. But I hadn't watched a single second of them play other than the Hawaii game because it was the late-night game on the first weekend of college football. I watched one drive against when they were playing Georgia, and Georgia scored, <laughs> and I stopped watching. But, I, I mean, overall, Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. This is a typical Vanderbilt season. They have a less intimidating home crowd than they ever have. I <laughs> mean, that's saying something. on paper – this is a game that Auburn should win handedly. I mean, this game should not be close. And the the score is not what I'm talking about when I say close. Like, Auburn-Mississippi State was not a close game. No, like, I would agree. Yes, it was a 14-point win for Auburn. Mississippi State was not close to winning that game past – the first once the four, Once the first four – when Auburn goes up 14-3 to three and forces a punt – the game was over. It was over. Everyone knew, all right, Auburn's winning this game. Mississippi State's not going to win. That is how I feel about this Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is coming fresh off of a 33-7 to loss against Ole Miss. On the road, late at night. I mean, yeah. And let's not act like Vault Hemingway is some kind of just gauntlet of a place to play. Especially at. when you're already a two-win team going in there. Exactly. I mean, so, if you're two and six going in, no one's going to be – Intimidating. I see this game as a way to continue momentum, build confidence for the offense. You know, you have two games where you're kind of rolling before you go, you know, go on the road again to play Arkansas, which, you know, another team that's struggling, but a team that's on Mississippi State's level of this is an act, this is just a bad SEC team. Vanderbilt is a bad football team. There is a difference. And so I think that this game is important to play obviously you want your guys to get better you want your guys to do all that defensively this will probably be the second worst offense that they'll play I would hope I I hope they don't score I don't think I think it's very reasonable to expect 10 or less I I would agree with that I I think think it depends on 10 or less is a is a good game from the defense I think a great game is a shutout here Ten or less on the starters. Ten or less on the starters. If they score a garbage time touchdown, I'm not. Ten or less when Auburn is trying to stop them. I agree. But so looking into the, I think the kind of the games within the game to watch, how Peyton Thorne performs on the road, and like we said, this isn't really a road game, but it is different. And if you can perform well here, it's it it gets rid of the mental block of I can't play on the road. You know, because you know he's thinking about it. He's struggled every road game. If he can play well in a road game, that'll be that'll be good. 
I think how Robbie's what Robbie's role is is actually a really important thing to watch. Um, I wasn't I, I was sitting on the opposite side. Uh, I was sitting behind um, Mississippi State sideline, so I really couldn't see Robbie on the sideline. I did see him celebrating with Shane Hooks after the first touchdown, but after that, I I didn't really see him on the sideline, so I can't really comment on uh, how he was on the sideline. But I do think that how his role is handled will be an important thing to watch. See how he you know, can perform. And also, you know, ideally you want to see Peyton Thorne get up quick on Vanderbilt and let Robbie get a couple of drives, you know, and actually, you know, let, let your backup play because or Holden. regardless if it's holding, it, it doesn't matter. But I think that it's, you, you never want to have the thing. And it goes back to talking about Peyton Thorne, not taking certain hits. I don't want Peyton Thorne or Robbie taking unnecessary hits because once you get to a certain part, there's always one power five team. It feels like every year that has so much, just unlucky stuff happen with quarterback injuries. They end up having to play like their fourth string or yeah. their their wide receiver. I mean, the guy the guy that was playing uh, the the cow quarterback against USC was not either one of the dudes that no. played against us. He was not. I was like, I was watching. I was like, who the heck is this guy? And why? Why? And thank goodness he wasn't playing against <laughs> no, us. I'm, no kidding. I mean, he didn't look. He didn't look half bad. I don't but. think the USC defense is. On par with the Auburn defense. I don't think so either. But I mean, if Cal had scored one more touchdown, we well, they they up. went for two at the end of the game and missed it. They and did. I, they yes. would have won the game. I, I did. I did see that. But regardless, I, I think that there's always those teams that have those unlucky things. And if you have your quarterback take a bunch of unnecessary hits, you don't want to start. You know, you don't want to put Javaris Johnson back starting quarterback against Alabama. It's just not what you want. No. And so moving in, I think that, that it'll be important to see how Auburn's quarterbacks can play. It'll be a 3 o'clock game in Nashville. I, I think that I agree with you. I think the Auburn fan base will be out there. But really kind of moving in, before we before we wrap it up, just kind of give your thoughts on how this game's outlook is. So you, you're 1-0, mm. you know, 1-0 since, uh, since Ole Miss. You have Vanderbilt. Then you go on the road against Arkansas, who will probably be two and seven. I who believe, are they playing? This I believe weekend? they have Florida in the swamp. Um, <laughs> I don't feel though, great they about play, that. They played great down in Tiger Stadium. They did, but that was a long time. ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Uh, KJ Jefferson was not broken. Then. Yeah, I, I mean, so let's let's make the assumption Florida is a four and a half point favorite. It's eleven a.m. kick. If Arkansas loses, they're hosting. Two and seven. They're they're two and seven. They're hosting an Auburn team. They will be out of bowl contention. Okay. I genuinely think we may be a dog in that game still. We might be. And I and I don't really have a problem with that. But it, Auburn will if Auburn wins this weekend, you wrap up bowl eligibility. You know, you're not losing yes, to New for Mexico. For all State. intents and purposes. You will beat you, New Mexico. You Matt UMass beat New Mexico State. I mean, <laughs> New Mexico State is absolutely horrible. So Auburn will have Auburn will definitely be playing. You know, they'll definitely be fighting, definitely be playing for something, all that. Arkansas will be, you know, if they lose to Florida, which we expect they will, they'll be two and seven. Sam Pittman has had some bad seasons. I think, I think they've already fired their offensive coordinator. They did, yeah. But at, at some point, I think if you're two and seven, I mean, and it's not like Pittman has really had many good seasons. So you're, but you're going to have the talk. You're going to have the talk. You're going to have the fans calling for him. You're going to have some players that don't like him. And a two and seven team that is out of bowl contention, you know, it's. I think worst case scenario for Auburn is they lose to Florida in the swamp badly. If they look really bad in the swamp, 
and they fire Sam Pittman, and you have the iconic game with the interim coach. Because you know, every time you have that first game with the interim coach, the whole team bands together, and it's like a whole new season has started, and you get the team that almost beat LSU down in Tiger Stadium. What you want is another heartbreaker at Florida where they don't fire Pittman, is still stagnant, it's still going to be cold in Arkansas. It's starting to be winter time. You have a stagnant week of practice, and you get through the game if you're Auburn. I agree with that. But also, on the flip side, sometimes you do have the interim coach that gets absolutely handled up and down the field against Northwestern, Kevin Steele. When Kevin Steele was the interim coach, okay, no, bowl nobody games, banded no, around him. No, bowl games do not count. Interim coaches for bowl games, nobody cares. Because nobody cares about the bowl game. There was nobody on all The Auburn fans that traveled down to that game cared more than probably 50% of the roster. Think about who was even playing in that game. All of Elijah Cannon like Elijah Cannon scored a fifty-seven yard I was, touchdown. I was about to say Elijah game. Cannon played. I think that we had a bunch of opt-outs, if I'm not mistaken. We had more opt-outs than I think we ever have. Yes, because no one cared about the game. Bowl games don't count. Regular season games with the interim coach is an absolute trap. I'm just saying, best case scenario for Auburn is Sam Pittman is drinking a cold beer the night before the Auburn game and he's trying to get ready for a Hugh Freeze offense because I just, I don't want to, I don't see that being the case. Now, Noble is super high on Arkansas's defensive coordinator. I'm just saying, who is I am just T. saying. Will, and if T. Will is the coach against Auburn, that is just setting up for Auburn to eat its own. Because I'm just going to say, if they fire Sam Pittman and Travis Williams is the interim head coach. What a story. It, that is college football right there. You've got Travis Williams coaching against his former team. We've discovered his future script. His future. Seven game. It's going to be his future job interview. It is going to be his future job interview. Because I think we all know Travis Williams is going to be Auburn's defensive coordinator in two, th- two to three years. I firmly believe that. I think it's a race between Cadillac and Travis Williams for who is the next Auburn head coach. And Rhett Lashley. Okay. I feel like we're we're digressing. We are digressing that. horribly. But we've Wheeler... got Sam Pittman fired. We've got Hugh Freeze retiring in glory. And we're hiring either T-Will or Cadillac. Or Rhett Lashley, apparently. Wheeler is really high on Rhett Lashley. I don't know. Well, you know, he scored 69 points this week. Again. Nice. Okay. All right. Regardless, we're moving on. Uh, Auburn will be playing Vanderbilt. Then they play Arkansas, New Mexico State, then Iron Bowl victory, ideally. Wheeler, give us your thoughts on these next four weeks before we wrap up. What do you think Auburn's record will be in the next four weeks? In the next four weeks, I think it's going to be three and one. I'm assuming we will uh, win all three SEC games and lose to the Lobos. No, and and I'm not 100% convinced one way or the other as to who the loss will be to. I think it's either going to be Arkansas. (laughs) No one's giving me the, what do you mean by that face? It's either going to be Arkansas or Alabama. And, And hear me out here, based off of the road performances, that's what scares me is that Arkansas, I think, has enough talent on their team to take LSU down in Tiger Stadium. 
So they could beat Auburn at home, especially if Auburn plays another one of those road games like they have at the Cal game or the LSU game. But Auburn at home also has the capability of taking number one Georgia down to the wire, which means they can beat Alabama, which is why I'm saying I think it's going to be three and one. I hope for four and oh, four and oh is a possibility. But if I had to predict, I'm going to say three and one, and it's either going to be Arkansas or Alabama. I don't see a Vandy loss this weekend. I would be appalled if they lost this weekend. I mean, it would be it'd be a pretty epic meltdown of the Auburn fan base, I think, too. I it would be a serious step back for Hugh. Also, remember every coach at Auburn that loses to Vanderbilt gets fired that year. That won't be the case with Hugh Freezes if he loses this year. But when you lose to Vanderbilt as the Auburn coach, Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville missed bowl eligibility because he lost to Vanderbilt. It wasn't a two-win Vanderbilt team. It was a James Franklin Vanderbilt team. Auburn history, state of Alabama history, is completely different. We don't have a senator right now. Tommy Tuberville would not be a senator right now if he had won against Vanderbilt. And that's just a fact. If he had gone to a bowl that year, they wouldn't have fired him. Vanderbilt has a this who knows we could choose a senator this saturday we could be watching a senator being crowned in vanderbilt stadium what's the name of the stadium it's it's so ratchet they that on StubHub it has the former name of the stadium when i got my tickets for this game it said the name of the stadium and then said formerly known as First Bank Stadium. I, that's never good when the stadium has a sponsor. You think it's a you, think, you think First Bank is uh financing the the renovation in the end zone? They've got to be, and so that's why it's First Bank Stadium because they just have their first financing provided by a sign in the end zone, and so they just figured that they'd name it the stadium. Yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, I I don't know. I I don't think Hugh Freeze is going to be the next senator. But that's just my no, because I think he's a good football coach, and, and he's going to be Vanderbilt, win, so he he's going to win some games exactly. Regardless, full circle. Regardless, I think that this game. I agree with you. I think that if Auburn loses this game, it will just be a really sad moment. But I don't think it'll happen. I think Auburn wins. I think Auburn gets some momentum. I, I feel good about the next three weeks, especially, and then who knows, Iron Bowl. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time in Jordan Hare. But overall. I think that kind of wraps up our discussion. We will be back next week discussing uh, an Auburn beatdown on the Vanderbilt Commodores and previewing uh, the Auburn-Arkansas game and, you know, maybe previewing Sam Sam Pittman's uh, habits that week. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening and more Eagle. More Eagle.